Welcome to episode 78 of From the Shed End with myself, T-Dot and Theo. How are you doing? Not bad, thanks. Um, I think it's officially known as Blue Monday today and it's good to celebrate Blue Monday. People do celebrate it, but, you know, have a Chelsea win. So it doesn't feel so blue and gloomy. I mean, it feels blue because it's Chelsea related, but not so grey and gloomy. Um, so I'm doing well. Um, very cold here in London once again, but um, keeping warm here at home. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad. I forgot it was Blue Monday. Um, <laughs> most Mondays recently have probably been blue for whatever reason. But um, but yeah, no good. And and yeah, you know, just like you said then, I think having a win under the belt Um always helps going into a new week but before we get into the content please go and subscribe to the channel so if you hit the link tree link in the description it will take you to all the social accounts spotify accounts as well so make sure you do that before you leave um the the youtube video or the spotify episode that you're listening to um but as we just said a win finally a victory um at the weekend but before we get into that victory i think we do have to talk about the fulham game um the, the earlier on um in the week Give me your thoughts and assessments on that game because it was kind of a game that I felt we should have won, set up to fail based on the tactics, formation, lineup, etc. But I want to hear your views on on the uh, the Fulham game. I thought, like you said, there were some really promising passages of play, particularly those that involved Jao Felix in the first half and the first 10 or 15 minutes that he played of the second half before the unfortunate, but I think it was a well-deserved um, red card. We've got to admit it, it was a typical... Um, strikers lunch um you know towards the player and as soon as he did it i knew straight away there was a red card but i thought he was really promising a lot of energy a lot of pace um you know creating kind of space that our players our strikers the likes of Havertz, Aubameyang, um uh, mount have failed have you know failed to, to create in the past and he just looked really promising really lively um and he something he, we, we haven't been doing enough of, he was shooting. He was shooting. Sure, it was maybe some tame efforts towards Bird Leno, but he was shooting, which was really good, good to see. But um, but yeah, we were set up to fail. I thought um, it wasn't really Chiloba's day. I thought he looked really um, shaky and uh, obviously very unfortunate that the, the first goal off had to be Willian. Of course, it had to be Willian, but deflected off Chiloba and crept past Kepper. Um Second goal as well, I think was avoidable. I think the defenders didn't do well enough to mark out Vinicius and Kepa kind of comes out and then retreats. And as soon as he does that, you know, you know, it's going in, it's going to loop over his head. Um, but yeah, I think one of those games, I think if we stayed on the pitch with 11 players, I think we would have stood a chance of at least snatching a point. As soon as we dropped down to 10 players, it was, you know, full of in control. Um, they created the better chances, but definitely a game, you know, that I think, um, we could have at least had something from the game, but um, like you said, set up to fail for um, the same kind of players that often go missing in these games, went missing the likes of Mount, Havertz. I just didn't think they did enough. Uh, Koulibaly as well. Yes, he got a goal, but he looked really shaky alongside Chaloba. I think the only one that maybe did himself justice was Felix before the sending off and maybe Thiago Silva. Um, but yeah, uh, just really disappointing. I think that, that game alongside the Arsenal one back in November were probably my most frustrating um, defeats this season. Yeah, no, I, I echo pretty much all of what you said. And I think I, I said that on the the, uh, the earlier video that I did in the week. But I just think, you know, when you've been playing the back four for your last, you know, five, six, seven games, you revert back to a back back five almost with the three centre-backs. You haven't got wing-backs, you know, you haven't got Reese James, you haven't got Ben Shorewell. 
Um, Kukurea was on the bench again. You know, credit to Lewis Hall, who I thought had a really good game against Fulham. Um, had a really good chance, and it's it's creeping. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get onto the Palace attempt as well, but it's creeping in now that he's getting these, he's getting into the right places. He's making the right runs. He's in the box, waiting the ball, and he just needs to just needs to be clinical in front of goal. Um, you know, he's still young. He's only eighteen, so you know to expect to, to for him to be able to to be playing in the Premier League and to be you know, scoring goals from his position, it's, it's not, I don't expect him to do that. You know, he's still learning his trades. Um, I do think he was exposed a lot in that Fulham game. And I know he gave the ball away a couple of times, but you look at Koulibaly, who is experienced, you know, he's supposed to be one that's helping Lewis Hall on that left side. He did do that. And I think the same for Aspilicueta as well, in terms of Chalabar. You know, Chalabar um, looked very, I mean, that's probably his, one of his worst performances in the Chelsea shirt that I can remember. Um, and Aspilicueta as well. I mean, why why are we playing the system that doesn't really suit Aspilicueta? You know, we know that he has got the legs to to run up and down the wing. You know, he can't really get forward as much. It exposes Chalabar. Um, but I do agree for the goal, both Aspilicueta and Chalabar for Williams' goal. And I did say in the previous episode, William will score against us in that game because you just knew it was going to come. You know, um, it was just a, it was just a William goal cut in on the right mm-hmm. foot. Used the, the defender as the the shield. Kepa doesn't see the ball to the last minute. It's it's William all over. That's what he, that's his trademark. Um, so yeah, I mean, Xiao Felix. Let's let's quickly talk about him. You know, debut coming on a loan. Um, six months. What, say maximum sixteen million in terms of a fee, paying a hundred percent of the wages. He's suspended for the next two games and also suspended for Crystal Palace at the weekend as well. But give me your thoughts on Jao Felix overall in terms of the deal, but also from what we've seen of him for the best part of half a, half a game in Chelsea. I mean, obviously, when he was at Atletico, we know how Simeone likes to play. It's a very defensive kind of setup, and I don't think that favours Jao Felix's ability. He's a very kind of creative player, pacey player, and he was brilliant at the World Cup with Portugal. And I think that's why maybe him and Simeone never saw eye to eye and there's been this kind of internal feud amongst the two of them, which maybe meant that he wanted to go out on loan for the next six months, especially if there's still kind of rumours about Simeone's future come the summer. But um, I saw what I saw from him in the 60-odd minutes that he played against Fulham were really promising. It's something that we've missed all season, like I said, um, just kind of getting past players really easily, um, looking to put the ball into the box, looking to shoot um, it's just something that we just haven't seen enough of from the likes of Mount Havertz, Bamiyang, and all the other kind of offensive options we have. And I, I, I sound crazy because you never really want to make a judgment after after you know half a game played. But if that's what he can put up, you know, and, and have that consistent kind of rhythm to his play, then I think it's a move that we maybe should look to make permanent in the summer. Of course, we we should revisit this question, you know, in a couple months' time. But I think. Um, if you know Potter's football allows him to you know play that football that we saw against Fulham, then I think it's really promising, and he might be enjoying it a lot more than the football that he was able to play under Simeone at Atletico. But um, it is a lot of money for a loan. I do agree. Um, it's very exp- expensive loan, but I think if somehow by a miracle we get into top four and Jao Felix plays a part in that, no one will ever even question the price tag on the loan fee. But um, I think it's been more expensive loans. I think I saw some crazy like. Agala's loan to United was more expensive across the nine months that he was there, but um, but no, I think um, it's an area of the pitch that we really needed um, to 
you know some some players to fill in especially with the injuries we have i know people go on about how how we have so many different players in that can play winger you know striker number 10 but we have to remember that i think it's Pulisic's going to be out for another three months i think sterling's yeah. going to be out for another two months um brogia is not going to be fit until next season most likely um i think zakari is the latest one he's gotten injured lofts his cheek we know that he's kind of in and out of the squad Obama Young's just like a shadow of himself lately. So I think it makes complete sense to take him on loan. And there's now talks that there is kind of a, an option, or not an option, but there's possibility given our relationship with Atletico to, you know, commence talks in the summer of making it permanent. But like I said, that's something we should revisit as Chelsea fans and give our opinion on in a couple of months' time. Yeah, I agree. I think with the option to buy, I mean, I when I sat down and, and initially when you look at a tweet or you see someone send you something and it says, you know, no option to buy and we're paying the wages and, and all the rest of it, that could actually just suit us. We might have other players in mind that we want to bring in during the summer. Maybe Jao Felix isn't one of them. So why would we need an option to buy? Why would we need a mandatory uh, option in there? It just probably doesn't make sense in terms of the deal. But I think if Pulisic wasn't out for as long as he was, I don't think this deal would have been rushed through maybe as it had had been. Um, you know, you just named and reeled off a couple of the players that added to that entry list already as well. Dennis Zachariah, obviously, coming off in the Fulham game, added to that list as well. So there's a lot of injuries that are coming up um, throughout the team that have, that's been happening all, all year. So um, there's no there's no guarantee when you get an option to buy in a deal that, you know, the player wants to move or the club allowed the, the sell to go through anyway. So I don't think it's a, start, um, a, a stopper in terms of us still going in and trying to get him. Um, you know, I did read that maybe some in terms of the extension of Xiao Felix's contract might be something in terms of the release clause in that, which is why they've allowed him to go on loan um, with possible extension of that deal. Um, you know, it's always Lukaku there. I mean, we, we still need to get him off the book. So does he go in the other direction? Do we keep Xiao Felix? There's so many options. And, you know, you're looking at the signings and the, the, the way that Todd Bowley and obviously Graham Potter are, are trying to formulate something at the club. It, you know, it does kind of tell you that that Joao Felix is probably one of those players that would fit the profile for the club at the moment. But I was impressed with him. You know, sixty mm. minutes or not, there's something that you can see. He looked like he had you know, the the lead, the, the rain was taken off him. Almost. You know, he was able to just run around and roam and do what he needs to do. Take on players. You know, even five minutes into the game, I think there was a moment. Not like he makes someone yeah. a comment who it was it might have been Anthony Robertson, but I might be wrong there. Got get the gets the ball into the box. I think Havertz has the first attempt. Um, Lewis Hall has the follow up attempt as well from that. Um, talk to me quickly about Lewis Hall before we move on. You know, both games now Fulham and Crystal Palace, but to be keeping Kukurea out of the team, um, he's doing something good. I mean, he's, he's he's a promising prospect. You know, eighteen years of age, he looks the real deal going forward. It's not easy to keep Kukurella out of the team, given his current form. I, I don't know what Kukurella offers to this team. Um, defensively, going up the pitch, I've spoken you know, on WhatsApp, I've slated him numerous times to you. But I think he's a very frustrating player to watch. But that being said, I think Lewis Hall has been fantastic in the games that he's featured. Obviously, I think he played both um, the Carabao game against City before Christmas and before the yeah. World Cup, and then uh, the FA Cup game against them um, recently as well. And... Fulham and then Palace um, and I think he just looks like he actually does want to get the ball into the box like he summed it up perfectly he's still young he's still raw and I think he w- once he adds that kind of ability to maybe 
improve his shooting and his ability to maybe get a goal score goals because we know that with wing backs that's what you know at Chelsea they've offered in the past the likes of Alonso, Reese James, Ben Chilwell they've been fantastic um, contributors to goals as well so I think once you can kind of improve that element of his game I think he'll be a fantastic player for us this um yeah, he's, he's had a lot of chances. He's been involved in a lot of the kind of play that we've kind of created as well. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about that chance he had against Crystal Palace in a bit as well. But um, really exciting player. Um, I think what's good with him, he's, he's going to prove he's not the full package yet. He's going to improve. But I think um, definitely a player that I'd much rather see in a starting eleven and feel more confident seeing in a starting eleven than um, Cucurella right now. Yeah, 100%. 100%. We've mentioned injuries as well. Um, the Athletic put out a... Uh, injured suspended Chelsea 11 last week um, which I thought and I'll put in here at some point um, Mendy obviously in goal you'd have Reese James um, obviously this formation wouldn't work for Chelsea but Reese James as your defenders James Fafana and Chilwell all out at the moment but Pulisic Loftus-Cheek Kante Zakaria who's now joins that list Raheem Sterling Armando Broyal and now, obviously, Jao Felix is suspended for the next two games. That's a big list. That's a squad already itself. You know, it's it's crazy to think. But obviously, that's, I think, Friday, maybe Saturday, the internal review from the medical, um, or an internal review of the medical staff is, is taking place at the club. Well overdue, in my opinion. What's, what's your thoughts on that? Well overdue. I've spoken about it so many times on this pod, um, how the medical staff and team need a big kind of kick up the arse and shake up because you look at Fafana being rushed back, getting injured in the behind, closed doors friendly against Brentford straight away. Same thing with Reese James, plays 60 minutes against Brentford, um, against Bournemouth um, after Christmas, gets injured. You do wonder if that was 60 minutes too much, 10 minutes too much, or if he wasn't he wasn't fit yet. Um, ben Chilwell again got injured. I think it was against Zagreb, kind of similar injury to the one he had last season. Um, I just think players are being rushed back too quickly. They're not being assessed properly. Obviously, I'm not a, a an expert when it comes to these injuries, but they're supposedly the experts in the field, and they should be doing a better job. It's simple as we're Chelsea Football Club, and this, these injuries have cost us top four. It has cost us top four. Let's be honest. I'm sure there's there's question marks around the manager and the way that we're set up to play games, but these these injuries they've really they've really messed us up this season. And you look at the other clubs, they don't have that many injuries. They really don't. I saw people talking about Arsenal having an injury crisis. I think the only one they have is Gabriel Jesus. And I just find it crazy that, you know, we, we, we've had so many injuries and question marks haven't really been erased before this. But, um, yeah, I think it's time. And I think um, this, I mean, there was another statistic since the start of last season. We've had 97 injuries in total, which is the more than the most of amongst every any club in the Premier League, or I think maybe any club in Europe for you for all I know. And you know, we're a top club. We've got supposedly invest so much money in our facilities and you know rehab, rehabilitation kind of for the players. So I don't yeah. think it's normal that we're seeing, you know, this many injuries. And I think a large part of those injuries of those ninety seven probably came when Graham Potter brought his medical staff with him in the summer, I think. I'm sure we were having a lot of injuries with Tuchel last season. Maybe COVID played a part as well. But I don't think something's not right. And I think it is kind of bugging some of the more senior players, the likes of Kovacic, the likes of Jorginho, Thiago Silva, especially. I think some of those cryptic tweets that maybe his wife has been posting were maybe directed towards the backroom staff or the or the physio team. So, yeah, I think it's definitely time and all the thing is done and to maybe figure out as well what can be done to improve it, especially. Yeah, and, and something just needs to change. I mean, we're talking about almost back-to-back -back now. I know we had the injuries 
under Thomas Tuchel and, and the old medical regime, but they seem to be increasing and the the ramp up of injuries is, is scary to think about. You know, look at the, the length of time Angola Kante's missed this season, you know, um, that you mentioned Reese James and, and Chilwell and they're, they're massive injuries there. You know, they're not injuries that are keeping you out for one or two games. We're talking, you know, a, a massive chunk of the season, which you said has, 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 has caused us to potentially miss out on top four this season. In, in a way, I'm, I'm sort of glad that if we do miss out on top four and we do miss out on Europa together, I'm glad about that because it will allow some of these players who potentially just need to be playing one game a week as they come back and try and get themselves back into full fitness. You know, maybe not even for next season, the season after, you know, the Reese James or a Ben Shorewell. You know, they, they don't need to be playing two or three games a week. You know, they just need that one Premier League game, you know, maybe the FA Cup, they get a rest or the League Cup. But I think if they can just focus on playing one game a week as opposed to, you know, Champions League and then back in the Premier League and Europa League, whatever, so much football to be played. And some of these players haven't had a break. You know, they haven't had a break since, you know, when we won the Champions League, played a full season. Um, you know, they're, they're one game away from an injury, some of these players. So we, I think the audit needs to happen. I think it was... You know, you don't want to pinpoint it down to the change in, in medical um, staff or whatever, but I think that has to have a, a massive impact and a factor into it because, you know, we weren't seeing our players drop down the way they are now. Um, yeah, you know, Reese James, understandably, totally different kettle of fish, but the amount of injuries we've picked up this season, you know, it's it's scary. You know, if you can build a, 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 a injured 11, which is quality as well, it's not... It's not players that would be warm in the bench all the time. This is first team regulars that are out of the team for a long period of time. It's, you know, when you say things like that, you do have to put a bit of context into Graham Potter and how he's been underperforming, I suppose, recently. Um, you have to put that in and caveat, caveat that into everything because it's just it's unheard of in some ways as well. When you look at Liverpool, you look at City, you know, if you took out Haaland, you took out Kevin De Bruyne um, out of their team or you took out Van Dyke, you take out Alisson, you take out you know, Mo Salah or Thiago out of their team, they'd fail as well, they'd struggle. In my opinion. Yeah, and we have seen it with Liverpool, I think, without Van Dyke um, this weekend. They conceded three against Brighton. They struggled, like you said, they struggle without the likes of, um, they're struggling without Luis Diaz, they're str- you know, they struggle without Mohamed Salah, um, without um, Thiago Alcantara, and those are like three or four players. And we've got currently, like you said, almost 11 first team regulars. That are out injured, so I think um, yeah, it's um, this, this order is long overdue, and before kind of just pointing fingers, I think it's important to see what we can do to improve it. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Now we, I mean, I did say in the preview, Crystal Palace was a must. Well, I said Fulham was a must-win game, but I also said Crystal Palace was a must-win game. Obviously, going into that game next Saturday with um, Liverpool. We couldn't afford to go into that needing to win, and we still need to win. But at least we've we haven't. You know, we've got three points on on a, a tough period. But um, before we get into the game, obviously it, it was the first real attempt um, moment, I should, I should say, for Chelsea to pay their respects to Gianluca Vialli, um, who, who passed away last week. Um, talented, talented player manager as well um i know from just looking on social media there's been loads of tributes and just loads of you know no one's got a bad word to say about uh, Gianluca Vialli and when, when you can't find anyone that can say anything bad about someone you know he told you the type of character that he was in able to 
have so many people want to share their, their views and tributes to him. But um, I know you've all been you're closer than I am to, to the stadium, but what's it been like just around the stadium? And obviously when the news broke the day that it, it did, um, you know, what was it like? What's your memories of, of Gianluca Vialli? I mean, obviously, I'm born in 1997, so it was slightly towards the era where Gianluca Vialli kind of stepped away from Chelsea. But um, my parents said amazing things about him. He'd be in local restaurants around Chelsea and he'd be sitting next to us in the table and he'd always be smiley. No one had a bad word to say about him. He almost felt like one of those Ray Wilkins characters where everybody yeah. has a story about him and a positive story, especially. And even you could see the players, even though some of these players are so even younger than me and they would have never, you know, uh, had him around but um, the likes of Mason Mount Jorginho they looked so emotional yesterday during the tributes and on match day yesterday it was it was special it really was special even when you were to scan your ticket to go into the stadium there'd be a kind of a picture of Gianluca Vialli with the date he was born and, and the, you know the, the year he passed away so I think they, they kind of redecorated the whole stadium to pay tribute and homage to Vialli I think outside Stamford Bridge there was a place you could um, write um, a small you know letter to, to a memory letter and put some flowers or uh, pay your pay your respects and tribute. And then before kickoff, that was really special, having all the his past teammates and former players kind of come up on the pitch, you know, alongside yeah. the the Palace and the Chelsea players. The banners and the TIFOs that were displayed were really special. I was um, sat in Matthew Harding lower and I was actually under the, the banner so I couldn't really see what was happening on the pitch. But I think I sent a video to you after and it was... Yeah, lump in my throat moments, really, um, especially the tribute video, seeing the players get emotional and well up. And it, it's just, a, you know, he was far too young, really far too young. And I'm I'm really, really looking into now how the special player he was, the goals he scored at Old Trafford. Um, he said some really special ones. He played player manager as well. Um, I'm sure yeah. you've got so many memories to share about him, watching him as, especially. But now a really emotional moment. I think it was a really alongside Ray Wilkins, one of the kind of former Chelsea players passing away. That's really, really touched me. Yeah, and you're not alone. I think you know you could ask a lot of Chelsea fans. They they probably feel exactly how how you did yesterday and, and beyond and before as well. Uh, you know, he's for me. He was just. I remember him being one of the first, you know, players that really struck out to me you know even like a Zola you know one of those players that just you know, tore Andre flow we was at that kind of period where we were probably one of the first in the Premier League to to look elsewhere from the UK from England for players you know so these some of these players were just unheard of to us you know growing up but you know when they came into the, the team it was just the, it was the start of that period for us I think you know when we were bringing in this quality of you know players and you know, even going back yesterday and seeing the players that Viali would have did play with, you know, even like the Danny Granvilles and uh, Michael Dubries and and just so many like just took me back just seeing them sat mm. there as well just took me back to to those times, you know, um, Jody Morris, you know, it's it's, it's such, you know very young in terms of his age and he achieved so much not just at Chelsea but, but even you know you think back to his time as in, in Italy national team as well with. Um, the, the Euros and, and everything that happened yeah. there as well. Um, just a, a quality quality manager for us, quality player for us as well. Um, someone did tell me a story. I might sh- I'm going to save it for when we do the podcast episode, actually. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll save that. But it's just, it's just, you can just tell that no one's got nothing bad to say about you. It just tells you how many people respect you and, and what he's done, what he did for not just Chelsea, but for football as well. I think, you know, 
all across the world. Um, yeah, it was a sad day. It was a, it was a, one of those days where you just, you, know, you almost want to hundred percent what you're doing. Yeah, yeah right. we both paused just, our we paused our work days and we just kind of really took in the news yeah, because yeah. it's something that takes a lot of time for it for it to sink in. But um, like you said, just 100% confirm it was accurate and almost just scroll through Twitter, reading all the stories and tributes. It's just something you need to really, really need to dedicate some time to. So I'm glad we're going to maybe have a podcast episode specifically oh, yeah, for Janvi Kavyali. I think that's much needed. 100%. Yeah, definitely. But I'm going to save that story. I'm going to, I do want to move on and talk about the game itself, which, um, as I said, was a must win game. We had to go into that game, regardless of who started and who, who who was on the bench or whatever and, and just you know, the pressure that Graham Potter was under these players had to play better than they did against Fulham and how they've been playing previously but um I mean I was impressed I know I know some fans weren't they were still much the same and I agree with that but you could see there was a slight change in terms of tension to get the ball forward to get it into the box for Kai Havertz to try and do something how we didn't score in that first half I'll never know we had as many chances as we needed to but you can see that there's something now coming out of Hakim Ziyech and just trying to get the ball in. And that's all I've mm. been asking for. Um, defensively, I still think we didn't look the best. Um, but yeah, I mean, give, give me your thoughts. Give me your assessment before I continue. Yeah, defensively, I thought um, there's still a bit of areas we could do with improving. Um, I thought Bad Yashil had a, Benoit Bad Yashil had a very solid debut. He brought a bit of stability yeah. to defence. To defense. And seeing him in the flesh, he's a tall boy. He's a really tall boy. He's um, yeah. he's quite a tall guy. And um, I thought it was a quite a difficult game to come straight into. He didn't really have any minutes, you know, in that in the FA Cup game against City to kind of be introduced to English football. He was straight into a Premier League game, a London derby game as well, ninety minutes. And I thought he did really well. So credit to him. Um, yeah, I thought there was some promising things. We created chances for once, which is not something we did in a lot of the previous games we played. Um, you know, under Graham Potter and during this period where we've been underperforming. I thought Ziyech and Gallagher were standout players for me. They were fantastic. Um, like you said, Ziyech always looked like he wanted to just get that ball on his left foot and just ping it into the box. And that's how he created the, the Habits goal. And um, Gallagher as well, he was just running all over the place, working his socks off, um, being fouled left, right and centre as well. Um, how he didn't score in that first half, like you said, a big chance for Lewis Hall. I think just if he can improve just on the shooting part of his game, that's going in the back of the net. Silver as well, I think, forced um, Guaita into a really good save. Yeah, um, shot. Yeah, really low shot. Um, but then again, I think Kepa as well made some big saves from Crystal Palace players. Mm -hmm. I think Elise had a chance, Mitchell had a chance, the Corey had a crazy volley, um, which I thought was just going into top bins, and Kepa managed to get a fingertip to it. Yeah. I didn't know this last couple minutes of the game, it was like pinball in the Chelsea box. And I was just sure that it was somehow it was just going to creep into the Chelsea net and Palace were going to get us a goal. But no, it was promising. I think when you get a, um, when you get a three points in a clean sheet, it's always a positive result. Um, especially I think Palace now, they've got a lot to play for because they've been not really getting the results they, they've been looking for. And I think a bit of pressure now is on Patrick Vieira. I was reading a bit of... Um, some tweets from some, some Palace fans yesterday and they're kind of, they've got question marks now over Vieira and if he's the right man for the job. But um, but no, I think um, I'm pleased with the performance. I hope, we really hope now we can just build a bit of momentum and consistency and get the couple more results, you know, to get into the flow of things again. 
And like I always say about Havertz, sure, it's good him scoring a goal, but now he just needs to keep that up. He really needs to keep that up because we can't just have him scoring a goal once, then going missing for another five, six games and scoring again. All Chelsea fans are like, oh yeah, Havertz is back. But now he needs to keep it up consistent. And he even had a big chance to score another header, I think a couple of minutes after the first one. And he, you know, he, he missed his chance. So I think he just needs to keep up the consistency now. But no, I'm pleased, um, like I said, three points in a clean sheet. Yeah, and that's all... I mean, I was I was recording a podcast last week, and that's all I want. I just want to see some consistency, some good football, um, you know, attacking football, and I, I just want us to build some momentum. Now, I think even going into that Liverpool game, we saw what Brighton done to them at the weekend. There's nothing to say we can got we, we can't go to Anfield and get something out of that game. You know, yes, Jao Felix won't be there, but if we can play how we played against Crystal Palace with a bit more intent, I think you can't go and and waste all those chances at Anfield, it just comes back to haunt you. And we were luck- lucky, like you said, you know, at the end of that game, you know, we didn't have Thiago Silva in that defence. You'd probably question, would it have been 1-0? Because he was literally, his head was on everything, getting it out of the box. Um, Baddy Shill as well, like you said, I thought a really good debut, you know, looked comfortable. Didn't look unfazed. You know, the, you look at Koulibaly and trying to compare the two, but Koulibaly, you don't really know what... He's going to do with the ball and you just felt there was that confidence in in Badia Shield. I thought he, he just looked like he fitted into the team and to have that side of our left side you know Lewis Hall next to him as well you know anything could have happened you know they could have I mean Crystal Palace really should have tried to capitalize that on that side and I felt they were trying to get the uh the left side you know where Zaha was and, and try and take on Chalabar more so um, than they did on the on the other on the right side, but you know it worked. It worked for us, and I was impressed with, like you said, Kim Ziyech, Connor Gallagher, who I was very critical, um, you know, previous games that he's played, but he came in and he done a job. Whether it's because it was Palace and is he looking for the move there, or you know, he knows some of the boys that play in there, I don't know, but he, he definitely put in a shift on on the game in on yesterday's game. But Havertz for me. I still don't want to see him playing mm. as a striker. I just don't. And, and I think if, if the game didn't tell you anything, it tells you that he's good when he, he gets a chance, but he needs 10 of them to score. And I just think we've got a Bamiyang who I'm not impressed with at all. I don't, I'm not saying you should put a Bamiyang in, but we've got Fofana on the bench. And I just think, what's he got to do? I mean, to get even, to get a run out. I mean, I probably would have brought him on ahead of a Bamiyang just to see the game out. And you know, we reverted back to a back, Five, I think, at one point during the end of that game, you know, Mark Cookeray is still on the bench. I mean, if that doesn't tell you something, there's, you know, Kula Bali didn't even feature. I mean, these players now. I mean, there was there was talk about Todd Bowley's not scared to, you know, get rid of some of these players, even if they've just walked through the door. You know, the Kula Bali's and Raheem Sterling's name, I think, has been mentioned recently mm-hmm. as well. I, I mean, I'm all for that, but. I think there has to be a transitional process of doing that as well. You don't want to bring in just a completely new squad and, you know, do what Nottingham Forest have done. And and that, that does, for, for me, that doesn't always work when you just bring in a bunch of players. You know, we're going to talk about uh, Mudrick now, who's just been, who's um, presented to the to the crowd at half time. I mean, he's, he's a really good, from what I've seen, I, I don't want to be one of these Twitter guys that says that they know everything about him because I don't. But from what I've seen of him and I've watched, you know, um, and I have watched a couple of games that he's he's been been involved in, but he looks like a really good player, really good player. Um, what's your expectations for Mudrick when he when he he finally puts his uh, Chelsea top on on Saturday against Liverpool at Anfield? 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, um, I haven't watched too much of him, um, but what I've seen is he's an exciting player. Uh, he's got uh, some experience in the Champions League. I think Shakhtar were they were in the same group with Celtic, Leipzig, yep. and Real Madrid. And I think in all those games, he he performed well. I saw a couple of the goals he scored past Joe Hart against Celtic, and they were impressive goals. Um, and when you pay 100 million or a fee that could rise up to 100 million for a player, you you've got big expectations. You expect them to come in and hit the ground running. He's 22. He's still young. Um, I do think, um, I don't know if it was a question of, you know, we really want this player, he'll fit the Chelsea kind of DNA or system, or whether it was just a question of Arsenal are linked to him, we can't let Arsenal get him. Let's let's try to sign him because it seemed like he was, he had really had his hopes on moving to Arsenal through his Instagram kind of stories he was posting. And I do think it's 100 million that we could have maybe invested as well into a centre central midfielder or CDM, um, which is a more kind of pressing or urgent kind of area of the pitch that we need solving and a player to kind of fill in there. And the logical solution there is Enzo Fernandez, where we kind of allow things to just crumble with the, the negotiations and we're not willing to meet their 120 million uh, release clause with Benfica. But that being said, with the injuries we've currently got, I think um, we didn't really have any many offensive players to come off the bench against um, Palace other than Aubameyang. So yeah. I think that just kind of gives us another option and maybe it could be an exciting trio next season of, if we get Felix and we get Mudrik who are players who just offer a bit more dynamism and kind of a bit more flair than we've seen so far this season with Havertz, Mount and those those guys. So I think it's exciting and I think um, you really relish the opportunity to play Liverpool at Anfield on his debut. It almost gives them gives us a bit more excitement now watching Chelsea. We've got these new players that are coming in and players that I think are young, that have an international experience, that have Champions League experience. And um, yeah, they're I do expect him to hit the ground running as well, like Felix did against um, Fulham. I think I just sent it to you before this pod, but there's some kind of maybe agreement that we uh, we may play Shakhtar in a friendly, yeah. and some of the proceeds will go to um, to you know helping the war in um, the Ukrainian um, victims in uh, during the conflict. So I think um, maybe that played a part in us getting him as well, and maybe us trying to amend our image of you know Chelsea's involvement, you know, during what happened with Abramovich last year. Yeah. So. Um, I think overall it's very positive. I do hope that he's committed to Chelsea. Um, that's my big worry. Um, but from seeing him yesterday at Stamford Bridge with the flag smiling and you know in the director's box, so far it's quite a promising start. And I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking to him coming in. You know, one thing I've always said is you know, and I think this is where now, you know, Graham Potter can't really use the injuries, and he hasn't to fans more than. Potter obviously but he can't really use the excuse of not having the right players these are his players coming in now so if we get in Kunku as well that's one of his players if we do sign Xiao Felix on a, on a permanent deal that's his player Mudrick as well um, all these players that are coming in we, he's building you can see not that I can see the vision but you can see that he's they're, they're, they're trying to do something I think um, and I say they I mean Todd Bowley but I'm excited to see him you know, especially against Liverpool you know, Trent no, isn't the best defensively, um, I, you know. And if from what I've been seeing, Roderick, if he if he performs like he does in some of his videos that people have been sending to me, I think Trent's in for a long, long afternoon um, down that down that right side. But um, without going into too much about Liverpool as well, I just wanted to talk briefly um, around Graham Potter because I don't feel like we. I mean, we have on previous episodes, but you know, is he? I mean, can you see the vision? Do you see what? Graham Potter is trying to do and and is it premature to even have that discussion because of the injuries as well because you know I, I still don't see you know does Graham Potter know his best 11 does he know I mean that's again 
down to the injuries, but even his style of play, you know, I know he likes to play with the you know, the three centre backs and uses the the wing backs as wingers almost. But I just don't. Maybe it is too premature to have that conversation. Um, maybe we need to give him the the summer to bring in who he needs to. But what's your thoughts so far? On, I mean, that that bad period that we still we're still in. Let's not but one win, which is great. But this bad period we've been in, you know, the records that I'm seeing, like the lowest league tally since 2015, 2016, and out, you know, out both trophies, uh, domestic cups, 34 years, the first time. It's, it's, I mean, should the players be doing better? Should the manager be doing better? Getting the best out of these players, regardless of, of injuries as well? I think if you look at all the past managers we've had at Chelsea, it happens in cycles. I don't think what, any of them have stayed for more than two years. And then it always seems to be these quotes coming from the managers that it's the same group of players and they lack motivation or they, you know, I can't really get the best out of them, which obviously is never what you want to hear from a manager. But I remember Sari saying that, Conte saying that, Lampard said that, and I think um, Tuchel in the summer after the 4-0 loss to Arsenal, he said something similar. So I think before kind of pointing to the manager, which I do agree needs to take some of the blame, I do feel like you said there's no kind of identity to how we play. There's, I can't really understand does he have a favourite 11? Does he have a favourite formation? We're constantly switching between a back four and a back three. Cucurella and Lewis Hall, you know, we don't know who's going to be starting each game, even not our centre-backs now with Badger Shield, is it? Does that mean Koulibaly's out? We don't really know what is our what is our best 11. I wouldn't be able to tell you that. But um, but I think um, the players as well, they need to just really shake, shake up. I, I spoke about Kovacic, who had a fantastic World Cup. And since he's come back from the World Cup, he's looked really, really oh. poor. Havertz mount two players that I think aren't immune to criticism, but they deserve criticism because they've been really poor this season. I think their their goal numbers, especially Mount and his goal contributions, have been a lot lower than expected. Um, players that I think we've brought in in the summer that I think are almost kind of rejects from other teams. I don't like calling them rejects, but Sterling wasn't getting the game time. We bring him in. I think this was something that you you spoke about with um, Pitch Footy. I think it okay. was. And, you know, Sterling wasn't really getting the game time at City. We brought him in. Aubameyang, same, wasn't getting the game time at Barcelona. We brought him in. It almost seems like players that weren't really kind of favoured by the manager, we just brought them in. And that's what I'm starting to question. Are they really committed to Chelsea? Yeah, are they just there to pick up their paycheck? Or are they really committed to, you know, playing for the badge and understand the kind of values of the club? And I just feel like there seems to be a lack of kind of players that were just giving them giving it their all even I think Alonso Christensen Rudiger you look back now there's a players maybe we took for granted we really did take for granted so I think there needs to be some kind of you know these players I don't know if it's Aspilicueta if it comes from the captain if it comes from the manager but there needs to be some kind of meeting or I think there was crisis talks held between Aspilicueta Jorginho and some of the senior Silver. players with Potter Silva I do hope that somehow amended the relationship between the two if there was any kind of problems but I do think it needs to come from the players first. And I, I like I, like you said, I'm more kind of in favour of this clear out in the summer. If it means getting rid of, I don't like calling them dead wood, but players that aren't really 100% committed, that are just there to pick up their paycheck, that don't really see themselves at Chelsea for beyond the kind of vision or the project or the the, the years left on their contracts. So, yeah, I think um, I do want to see more from Graham Potter. Like I've said before, I want to kind of see a clear identity and way of style of play that we we offer on the pitch. But I also want these players to really show a bit more, a bit more drive and a bit more commitment, especially when the fans have been so loyal to them, you know, week in, week, week out. So I think it needs to start from there. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, and, you know, I was very critical, not just after the Fulham game, but I know looking back, watching back, listening back, getting feedback from people, 
some of the comments I've made are very, very harsh on Graham Potter, and I, I get that 100%. But I do think as well, as a manager, you have to adapt. And whether that's you, know, you change your formation, you change your style of play, you drop players that are not performing for you, the Kai Havertz or the Mason Mounts or Mateo Kovacic, and something seems to tell me that the, the Palace game yesterday, something dropped, the pennies dropped in Graham Potter's head or whatever, because, you know, Kukure has now missed two, the last two games. Kulabali, who, you know, obviously Todd Bowley was in a Twitter space yesterday, but obviously there's someone <laughs> telling these guys, you know, that these are not, that he doesn't seem comfortable to them. He dropped Kulabali. Um, you know, Mateo Kovacic as well, like you just mentioned, hasn't been the best since, whether he's, I, I think he might be carrying an injury. You know, I think he's either carrying an injury, um, I think it was a couple of years ago, Marcus Rashford literally played a whole season with an injury. I think when Oli's, Oli was still there, I feel like Kovacic is doing the same. I think he's just playing through this injury. Um, could be that. But I think there has to be some more leadership. I agree with you. You know, Thiago Silvers and Cesar Spiaquetas, the captain, has to has to do the John Terry treatment and get them in that dressing room and shake things up a little bit. Um, whether he's doing that or not, we don't know. But, you know, there has to be some that structure to what we're trying to do. And at the moment, I just feel like we're just winging it a little bit just because we've got these injuries. We're using that as the reason why we can't get results. And we can, we can get results with this squad. You know, you look at Southampton, um, you know, in the cup against Man City, as I think I said on the videos before, they beat Man City, Newcastle, even yesterday, Newcastle, rightfully or wrongfully, they didn't deserve to win last yesterday, but they did. They, did, they, got, the, they got the three points. So, you know, I think there's a way of losing and then there's a way of losing with a bit of pride and a bit of dignity and playing for the badge and being 110% committed, which is what we need from these players. So, you know, I, I'm, I think the next couple of months, you know, the summer will tell us 100% who's committed, who's not, who's mm. great part of the right man for the job. All those questions will be answered, I think, then, because, you know, I think we've just been, I've just been reading then, you know, because um, Casado from Brighton isn't meant to be next on the list of... Um, you know the list we want him we want it done by the end of the week so you know if that if that's true or lav from southampton if one of those two come in then it tells me that graham potter is which he is he's been 100 you know 110 percent he's being backed by the owner um but trussard i think spurs have just put a bid in for, for trussard for 12 million so <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if we, we try and entice trussard to come to, to Stamford bridge as well but before we wrap up, I do want to ask, because I feel like we're just almost buying Brighton. And that worries me a little bit because we've, we've already we've already um, got Kokorea, who hasn't really worked as of yet. I mean, that might just be a system thing or it might just be, I, I don't know, confidence thing, whatever. But I'm not keen on just buying players that Graham Potter's worked with before. And that sounds great on paper that we're buying these players in. But I think we need to get the right player in, not just because the manager's worked with him before. Do you, you that's a good option to just go for for Casado or, or, or Lavia? I mean, Lavia's Southampton, I think, ex-Manchester City player, really good player. I, I think he rather fits the profile of what we're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I'm all in favour of managers kind of going to their former clubs, picking out the players that they want, and especially when they've worked with them and they know them so well. I think we saw it with Sari and Jorginho and say what you want about Jorginho, but he's it's worked. He's won two European Cups with us and he's been a great player for us across the years. But um, but I think now it's almost Potter is just kind of, he's brought all his old backroom stuff with him, not just players. He's brought Cucurella and I think Cucurella would be really fitted. Brighton style of play. It's not just a manager of the way Brighton played with the players around them 
I've, we've seen him now for six months and it hasn't worked out for Cucurella. I'm, I want to say optimistic and say things will get better, but from what I've seen of him, he's not the left back that Chelsea need. And um, we're linked now with Can- Moises Cancedo, um, I think Ecuadorian international, good player. But I do kind of worry now after what's happened with Cucurella that maybe he's just so good with this Brighton team and the players that were around him and their system. And that if he comes to Chelsea, it might just be another Cucurella and he might look a bit lost. He might you know, be underperforming compared to other players and more experienced players around them. So I don't know. I think um, this strategy of maybe going for for younger players that are kind of had, they've only got one or two years under their belt of Premier League experience. Sometimes it's not the best thing to do. I've said it a few times. We saw it with Havertz as well in the Bundesliga. He had one good year at Leverkusen. I think top goal scorer in the Bundesliga, same with Werner. We kind of yeah. said, let's go, let's give them the money they want. And it hasn't been the players that we were in the Bundesliga. And that's why I've said it so many times in this podcast, the players that often perform are the most experienced ones that you bring in. The yeah. Silvers, the Fabregasas, those ones. The free transfers. So free transfers, exactly. And, and I yeah. said it so many times, we missed out on Lewandowski. We really missed out on Lewandowski yeah, last yeah. summer. I watched him last night. He was good. He was yeah, good he's for, good. Uh, good player. Super Cup. Yeah. Good, good player. So, um, yeah, they could be really good players. They could be gems. But you just never really know what happens once they sign the contract at Chelsea and they put on the shirts. It's a massive gamble. It's a ma- massive, gamble. massive yeah. gamble. Um, but, but listen, we've got the three points. That's the main thing. So... Let's not all start. I mean, someone was in my, one of my WhatsApp saying about top four is back on. I mean, I'm I'm very, very, very. I mean, I think we're still closer to relegation than we are top four, but it's a story for another day. Um, we, we'll have our Liverpool match preview near the end of the week, so maybe Thursday, Friday. Um, we'll put, do our predicted lineup, do all of that stuff as well. Hopefully, we can get three points. Depends on the ref, actually, doesn't it? I mean, if we get our friends, then. Yeah, we don't know. But um, yeah, definitely looking forward to that game. As always, Anfield's always a difficult ground to go to. Um, but I do think we can get three points, but I'll save that all for end of the week. But um, right, if you haven't already, like at the start of this, make sure you go and subscribe to the channel. Um, Linktree link is in the description as well. So it will take you to all our previous episodes and all our social accounts as well. Theo, as always, thank you very much. Fairy procession is over for the week. We should call this from the shed end very possession or something because we always call it a very possession but it is good to talk about Chelsea good or bad um, but yeah thank you very much for joining me as well as always um, and we'll be back next week um, with another episode so from the Shed N78 thank you very much for watching <laughs>